Hi, welcome to the Us and Kids podcast. I am your host, Jan Talon. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, a wife, a mom, and a grandma. And as you know, this Us and Kids podcast is about how to keep on being married forever while you parent together. And it's not an easy task, so I encourage you to subscribe to Us and Kids in your favorite podcasting app. I'm glad you're here so that you are working to make your marriage and your home life fulfilling and so very, very good. And today, I am so excited. I have invited my daughter, Christy, into the studio with me, and she has accepted. I'm excited because she is a mom of wonderful kids. Of course, they're my awesome grandkids. But also, she has had to make some really interesting um, process and parenting decisions that I thought would be helpful for you to know about. So Christy, would you introduce yourself a little bit and just tell us a little bit about the segment of your parenting journey that you're going to share with us? All right. Hi. Um Let's see, I've got three kiddos. They're nine, seven, and five. And the segment of my parenting journey that we're talking about today involves my son, who's now seven. And we had a little developmental situation with him when he was kind of three going on four. He would hit when he was frustrated, which is kind of normal when you're two, but once you start turning three and four, That usually tends to fade out, especially with some parenting moves. He would also walk by a glass of water and just knock it over for no reason. And then he would keep walking like nothing ever happened. He loves to climb and jump off of stuff. He refused to wear jeans because they were too scratchy. Lights were often not bright enough. And um, I didn't really put the behavior and the scratchy jean piece together for a little while. So what I'm hearing there is back when he was two, you sort of just let the, in some sense, the terrible twos move through as they looked fairly normal. And that when he turned three, some things that you thought, this this should be transitioning to more words and less action or um, something that that normal clothes would feel good on a kid. They'd be glad to have new jeans. And instead... He was not happy to have new jeans or new clothes at all. Some of what I remember is his love for soft things and that it was all about the feel. And so if I went shopping for a sweatshirt or a fleece or a pair of shorts, I had to feel how soft they would be up against my cheek because it was that responsive in his body to it. Mm -hmm. Am I hearing that right? Yeah. Yeah, that was exactly it. Like... um Things that felt normal to me were either too scratchy or very soft to him. And then there was the behavior piece. And I didn't really put those two together. And I see a counselor for myself and was talking to her about this kiddo. And he was still hitting and throwing and kicking things when he was frustrated or upset. And I was at the end of my rope. I had no clue what to do with him. And she said that with a lot of the kiddos that she saw, she referred them out to OT for sensory processing needs. And all of a sudden, all the pieces started to fit together because we had the the clothing piece and the highly um, sensitive to different feels piece and the behavior piece and 
the lights piece and all of a sudden everything started fitting together. So we decided, I went home and, and talked to my husband about it and said, hey, what do you think about this? And he said, whatever we need to do, let's do it. So he was fully on board with that. So we started kind of figuring out what was next. How did that go? Because often we would think, at least in in my line of work, that I wouldn't have turned to an OT, to an occupational therapist. I would have thought much more of turning to family counseling or play therapy or something like that. So how did your therapist know to differentiate the two? And how did you all of a sudden say that makes way more sense than any other therapeutic approach? Yeah. I, um, through working with my therapist, we had already tried a bunch of different home supports, like emotional kind of supports for him with, you know, behavior charts and talking through your feelings and a lot of that kind of stuff. And it just, we just didn't see any changes. I, I don't really know how she knew about occupa- occupational therapy and sensory processing. She knew, and I'm grateful that she did. Um, and it also made sense for me that it was more body physical and less mental emotional because of the other pieces that were already in place with the jeans being too scratchy and the underwear feeling like they were too tight even though they were loose and being able to tell the difference between two pieces of fabric that look exactly the same but to him felt different though all of those pieces together made a lot more sense to me that it was sensory and not just he's a naughty kid and that's an important thing to be able to just distinguish from your own energy in parenting is this kid's naughty again. Why is this kid so naughty versus this kid's body is overfeeling something. And now I can have keep my compassion. I might still be exhausted, but I can keep my compassion about it because it doesn't feel necessarily like it's your fault or that you're a bad parent. Yeah, I kind of run the course of what to do as a parent. And so it was time to seek other help. And again, with the body stuff just made a lot of sense. And so that helped me understand a lot more where he was coming from, too, especially once we started working with the occupational therapist. How do you get a referral to an occupational therapist? Did you just like look one up and go? Or did you have to talk to your pediatrician? Or how maybe it depends on your insurance policies and things. But sort of how did you choose? Um, My counselor had recommendations for a couple of different practices in the area that specialize in pediatrics and do a lot with sensory processing. Um, Because occupational therapists often do like gross motor skills or feeding issues or things like that. So there are a couple practices in our area that specialize with sensory processing. Um, So I called one and we went in for an evaluation and um, came out very strong that there was sensory processing needs. And so I brought that to my pediatrician who said that sensory processing wasn't a real thing and that we should have um, social work services and that she was not in any way, shape or form going to write a referral. So for the first couple of months, um, I worked with our occupational therapist to have me in the sessions along with my son. And it was much more of a a learning for me for things that I could do at home in order to keep our costs down, because at that point we were paying out of pocket. And in the meantime, I searched out a new pediatrician who would be willing to write the referral for what was very obvious that was what my son needed. So we had to do a little bit of advocacy work on his behalf and on our financial behalf as well. 
and we found one who was wonderful and completely understood where we were coming from and wrote the referral. And then after that, insurance covered it, and we were able to do the OT sessions a little more frequently. That takes a lot of energy when you're already so tired um, to say, oh, now I have to switch pediatricians in order to get it covered. But I hope that what you can hear from Christy is that she could see a light down the tunnel here that said this is the right way to go and that then she stayed creative and a bit determined. She does have a little tenacity in her. I'll give her that. Um, But that determination is often a part of what we need when we're parenting and we can see that something has to be done significantly differently. But we need a different place for support. Remember to go ahead and search those out and advocate for what is wise and best, even if it's challenging. Christy's not a yeller or a screamer from what I know most of the time. Um, But I think in her brain, what she's saying is that she had stomped her foot and said, oh, no, we are figuring out an OT. No matter what happens, we are going to figure this out. Is that the determination I heard in your gut? (laughs) Yeah, I basically told my pediatrician that we would not be coming back and was searching out something else because she refused to give the support that was very obvious my son needed just from seeing how he responded to occupational therapy and the changes we saw in him. So I didn't yell at her, but I did very nicely tell her goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes moving on is an important idea. (laughs) Um, So tell me about how you introduced this idea to Jack and to how he interacted with the idea with going and with going again and again and that kind of stuff. He's just little now because he's he's still just about three, right? Yep. Three and a half-ish, three going on four. But he, we went to see um, the occupational therapist and... Basically, because it's pediatric-based, it was all play. So he thought it was super fun, and he loved it. Um, and we also, she also was amazing at giving me tools on how to talk to him about it and how to talk about how our brains work um, and to talk about things like, um, you know, your upstairs brain and your downstairs brain and how you have big feelings. And sometimes those big feelings blow off all the the ways that we can make wise choices. And so we started using a lot of the language at home that she had taught me through our sessions, as well as the the exercises and the different um, tools that we use to kind of help regulate his body and his feelings. He loved it. And I think that when we started integrating a lot of that into home life too, he felt more in control of his actions and wanted more of that he felt the sort of like whoo with his body settling when we did some of the things that she suggested and so he was open and willing to continue to do some of these things together because he felt the um he he felt the benefits of it and they were fun so you've mentioned the tools some i'm guessing that some of my um friends out there are thinking 
OT and a kid. And I get it if the kid's been injured, but what is this? Um, so can you give an idea of what tools you're using? <laughs> you know, we started off very simple, again, because um, we were paying out of pocket for some of our sessions. And so we tried to just keep it as inexpensive as possible. Um what I learned is that we know that we have the five senses, but your body actually has seven senses. And so in addition to the five that we know, there's also the sense of where your body is in space. And there's the sense of how much pressure is on your joints and muscles. And for my son, one of the big things for him is that he underprocessed or underrecognized the pressure that he had on his joints and muscles. And so we did a lot of things to give him heavy pressure. So we would um, smush him with pillows, obviously not over his face, but his body we would smush with pillows. We would like a, lay a blanket on the floor and wrap him up really tight in a blanket burrito. Um, we would have him carry heavy things or push heavy things around the house. We would have him hop like a frog or jump like a kangaroo. As he got a little bit bigger, we moved up into things like wheelbarrow walks or other types of jumps or pushing the wall as hard as you can. Those were a lot of the tools that he needed because he needed to have that extra pressure on his joints and muscles. Did you also add a weighted blanket or had you done that earlier? No. And was that helpful? Yes. Yep. Yeah, we added, we didn't want to spend a lot of money on stuff that we weren't sure was going to work or not. Um, But when we really saw how his whole body and brain really calmed through the extra pressure that he was getting. We did add a weighted blanket appropriate for his weight. Um, And that really helped in the overnight when he would wake up in the morning, he would be really cranky and dysregulated because he wasn't getting the sensory input overnight that he needed. So when we added the weighted blanket, that helped kind of just regulate him through the night. And then he woke up a much more calm kid. One of the things I remembered, I would hang out with Jack um, often once or twice a week. Um, And one of the things that I remember was that he often liked a full body hug. He still does. I know. Makes me cry. Because he would run up to me and I better be planted because he is going to land on me. And if I could pick him up and just let his whole body land on me and swing him around a couple of times and rub his back as I put him down, I just remember he would come up with the biggest grin. Now, I think on the one hand, you know, kiddos like that. On the other hand, I think there was an extra bonus for him just in terms of the amount of pressure that he could get from my um, my strength in my hug and that little short back rub. Um, So I just wanted to give you a little bit of idea of what are we talking about when we're talking about tools. And for you, it was far more activity tools necessarily. You added language as he grew, as he aged, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Are there some key words there or phrases that you say that you found useful? Um, Yeah, a lot of times we just talk about big feelings. And again, this came from our occupational therapist. And there's also, there's a book called The Whole Brain Child by Dan Siegel. And that has a lot of good information in it that our OT shared with us. And part of it talks about your upstairs brain and your downstairs brain, like I, like I mentioned earlier. And so we would talk about, like, what is your big feeling right now? Are you feeling sad or scared? And what's a wise choice? What can you do with that big feeling? Or are you blowing your lid? Did that big feeling just 
blow away all of the wise choices that you could have made. And so the language piece has really come into what's your big feeling and what's a wise choice with that big feeling. If you need to kick something, you can't kick a person, but could you kick the couch? Would that be okay? And as he has gotten older, we've talked about, okay, what big feelings are you having? And starting to integrate the idea that we can have more than one big feeling. And then how can our body respond to those big feelings? And what are some wise choices body-wise? Because that's how he communicates is through like body action. You know, what can we do with those big feelings? So that's where the language piece has come in. Yeah, somewhere in there I remember something about like the touch of a butterfly or the touch of a there were there were different languages there that and it was like was that a butterfly touch or was that like um I forget what the other one was yeah. but it was a baseball bat yeah. hit or something like that because he wouldn't realize how powerful his interaction his physical interaction was either in setting something down or in touching someone or in taking something from someone that he wouldn't realize it's that pressure stuff that he didn't understand what message he was sending. So tell me a little bit, how is Jack doing? How could you tell when he was healing or growing and improving? It was it was pretty quickly after we started OT because we weren't we were only seeing the occupational therapist once a month. What I did is I arranged our daily schedule to incorporate some of those OT tools or activities throughout the day. So after breakfast, we would do an animal walk. And then after lunch, we would do a jack burrito. And I very quickly, even within the first couple of days, saw that when we did those regularly, he no longer threw things across the room. He didn't hit when he was frustrated. Um, if If he was really frustrated or he was really mad, he would sit and cry. But there was no throwing or kicking or hitting and that to me was a very quick sign of what we're doing is working because it's giving him what he needs it's it's filling his body with the the input that it needs in order to stay regulated and make those good choices mm-hmm. um what kind of do you have ongoing care now it's like does this just go away How, what happens is this always a thing is he always going to roll up like a burrito what's yeah. up <laughs> Uh, He says he's too big to do a burrito anymore, which is kind of sad because it was so cute. But (laughs) it, it will, it will, it's kind of two pieces. So yes, there's ongoing care. As his body grows, the sensory piece gets a little bit smaller because it's not, the sensory matches the size of his body a little bit more than it did when he was little. And at the same time, it never completely goes away. So there's always strategies and tools that he will need to use in order to keep himself regulated. So right now it's kind of a mix between me saying, hey, we need to do this activity now and me saying, hey, what do you want to do or what does your body need? And kind of starting to release that a little bit to him to be able to recognize how he's feeling and what his body needs in order to stay calm. So there will be ongoing care. We haven't seen our OT in probably six months um, and just continue to do a lot of the home things that we know work. What do your other kids think of this? You said you had three kids. So, you know, I mean, do they just sit back and watch or do they do it with him? Or what What does that look like, you know, in the home space? Mm-hmm. Um, You know, when we first started incorporating our OT time into our home, 
routines. The other kids just jumped in and did it with Jack. So if he did a burrito, they did a burrito. If he did kangaroo jumps, they did animal walks. Um, And so now they will all say, oh, yeah, we need to do OT today. And for them, body movement is one of the tools that helps them stay calm and stay focused, have attention, um, and helps them make wise choices. And that's just kind of the way that they see life now. So that was a pretty easy blend. This didn't make anybody stand out. This just easily moved into this is what we do. Um, And it became sort of a fun space for the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really a sweet space for that to happen. I think so. Um, Do you have some suggestions that you might give to other families, moms and dads that are sort of struggling? Maybe they're not on the same page about what does this kiddo need? You know, we just need to be sterner. You know, you can't be so nice or you're too mean. We have to be more kind, you know. Um, when, When a parent hasn't got that, we need more backup and support. What do you say to them? Um, partly I would say go with your gut. You know, my pediatrician that I thought I trusted said no, and my gut told me otherwise. And so we, we just tried it. And I think that's the thing too, is, um, you know, if, if OT, if occupational therapy and tools for sensory processing hadn't changed his behavior, then we would have gone to do play therapy or social work or something like that. But we tried it. And, um, I would encourage parents who are kind of in that space struggling with what do we do with these behaviors to kind of take a look at what other factors are involved. Um, You know, for my son, we noticed that there were the other sensory pieces there, too, with the the clothing and the lights and the fabrics. Um, So what other factors are involved? And then try something and, and try it for a little while and see what the response is. I wish we had a manual that said, if A, then B, but we don't. So we get to just try things out and see how they go. I think that that's such a good sentence, Christy, is that try it. If your gut says something, then give it a try for three to five times and see once what you get going. Um, because if what you're doing is not working and both of you are at odds about something, getting somebody else's feedback and input about it might really help take the pressure off from both of you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for, for you and your husband, that when you saw that was OT stuff, the pressure of we're bad parents could sort of fall to the side because now you had a different way to focus your parental energy um, and your parental worries, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, lo- I just love those two words of try it. And we say we should say it to our kids often. Just try it. Try it three times. Try it once. But we have to remember to say that to each other as well, is give it a try. Christy, is there anything um, else that you would like to add that maybe you wish you had known or that you would like to just say to other parents and families who are going, we got something going on. It's bigger than what we know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think just going back to the try it piece, um, you know, you can talk to your pediatrician, you can talk to, a um, a child therapist, you can talk to friends who have older kids that have gone through something similar. Um, everybody's going to have their own opinion. So really it comes down to gathering those opinions and then trusting your gut and knowing your kid. And if you hit a roadblock and you know that this is the right thing to continue to advocate for it, um, and it, it's 
it's not, parenting isn't always easy. And so we, we do the best we can with the knowledge we have and then we see how our kiddos do and we continue to love them through it and love each other through it. Well said. Um, I, I think for sure, Christy, that you can hear the round of applause for you sharing your story with us um, and your wisdom. And uh, to our moms and our dads out there, we want to encourage you to stay together, work at parenting together. It, it is a hour by hour, minute by minute, often when we have little ones around, tiring work. But it's also worth the work. And so I want to thank you today for joining Christy and I in this conversation. I also want to remind you that we'll put together a printable and you'll be able to get that um, and be able to download it and use it as soon as um, this podcast is up and that we are cheering for you. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch up with you again in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.